You're listening to the Quietly Ambitious podcast, and this episode is one from before we rebranded. So if you hear references to Creatively Human, that is why. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Creatively Human, a podcast for online business owners and creatives that goes beyond the work and dives deep into why we do what we do, the struggles and wins we face along the way, and how we fit it all into the kind of life we want to live. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, and I help creatives grow their businesses in ways that fit around their life and values. Today's chat with Pragya was just so inspiring. She is an academic, a writer, an artist, a mother and a feminist and has just been named as one of 100 women in social enterprise. There was so much I could have asked her about but today's chat focuses on what she has done to make her businesses more environmentally friendly, what it means to be creative, being a multi-passionate creative, advocating for mental health through her business and sharing her own personal experience and running a business based on strong core values. I think you're going to get so much out of this interview. Hi Pragya, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourself and what you do. Um, So I am Pragya Garwal and I run a social enterprise called The Art Tiffin and a creative studio called Hedgenog Prince. So basically, um, yeah, the Artifin is, a, is, is all about creativity and mental health. And it's, it's focused on vegan art materials and um, encouraging creativity in children from a young age. I've been reading around all your websites because you do so many things. And I'm really interested to take a step back and ask you how you came to get started in this because you come from a very academic background. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's quite um, interesting. Um, and um, I think that's kind of made me also realize that we don't really necessarily need to have one definite career path. Mm. I started off as an architect and I did my PhD in a very kind of technological um, engineering discipline, but it had psychology. So it was very interdisciplinary. So I was always interested in in a number of things, how they overlap and how they intersect. And so I was an, uh, after my PhD, I was an academic, um, I was a professor, I taught around the world. And then I took a step back from academia, um, really severely stressed out, burnt out. Um, it was a very high pressured uh, environment, but also juggling family and life and all those things. I took a step back and um, and the first time I kind of stopped, um, I was still working part time teaching in um, different universities and also academic mentoring, but it gave me some space to just think and explore different options and so I started um, line-of-cut printmaking, and it really helped my mental health. And that's the first time I kind of made a link between creativity and med- the meditative nature of creativity. And I started doing more research into it, which fed into my TEDx talk recently. So I set up Hedgenog Prints, and it wasn't necessarily meant to business, but it kind of took off from there. And last year, I started the social enterprise, which kind of came about after my twins were born two years ago. And I started thinking more about how the impact we have on the world around us. You talk a lot about how doing all your creative pursuits and starting up these companies has helped you with your mental health. And I think it's great how you're so open about that. 
And I'd love for you to talk a bit more about the art tiffin and how it not just helps you, but it also helps your customers as well. Yes. So um, the art tiffin, um, as I said, is a social enterprise. And I I think over the years, I started thinking more about the social responsibility we have. Mm -hmm. And I was always very socially conscious. So as from the age of four, I wanted to go out in the villages and be a doctor and help the poor and so but it kind of sometimes when we are caught up in the world and doing work uh, it kind of sometimes takes a back seat Um, but then my twins were born and started thinking more about as I said about the kind of legacy we leave behind the, the world that we leave behind for them and the world we are creating for them and also the links between creativity and mental well-being but also because it's kind of a niche. It's a unique thing about finding vegan art materials because mm. I was doing a lot of uh, printmaking and art, um, acrylic and oil paints and watercolors. Um, my twins were born with numerous allergies and they were born premature. And I started thinking more about the environmental impact of the art materials that we use, the eco-friendly nature, um, the ethical aspect of it. And so I started looking more into what goes into an art material, which there's not much clarity about it. Um, And as I did more research, I found out that many of these have animal products in them and they might not be made in the more ethical and they might not be most eco-friendly. So what we do with Artifin is find the vegan art materials. Um, We only work with ethical suppliers and it's a curated box of art and well-being. So it kind of encourages people to take a step kind of a pause, a creative pause. I like calling them creative pauses, but it's all about nurturing the heart and in developing a creative habit because so many people tell me that they're not creative because they can't draw. And my philosophy or the philosophy behind the artifin is that everybody can be creative. You just need five, 10 minutes and it doesn't have to be perfect. It's about doing something with your hands, achieving that kind of meditative state of flow and just finding time for yourself. And as a, as a parent of twins, or uh, I was so caught up and I realized also that as parents, we often, as mothers, we feel guilty about taking time for ourselves. And so it was about giving a permission, basically, for self-compassion. It's about being kind to yourself. Um, so that is one aspect of it. And the other aspect is about encouraging creativity in children from a young age. So when we develop that creative confidence, they develop into that kind of confident and more resilient adults and so the other aspect is about the art packs we develop for children as well not different I love this whole philosophy behind behind it and I've got a few different questions to ask you about it but firstly I'm just going to touch on what you said about how we're all creative but we sometimes lose faith in the idea that we are and this is what you spoke about in your TEDx talk which I really Mm -hmm. really enjoyed thank you um I also I picked up on something in your TED talk And you said that it's important for us just to try things. It's important for us to have bad ideas. It's important for us just to do it. And I think that's such an important point because I guess we can get so caught up in the end result rather than the process itself. And I suppose that's what you're trying to, that's what you're really trying to emphasize with the art, Tiffin, that there's no, there's no specific goal in mind. It's just Mm -hmm. the doing Mm-hmm. Yes, um, certainly. And I think I was part of that culture as well. Um, but our society and the way that we are, we work is also we are measured according to our end result and we are measured according to productivity. And I think as we grow up, we kind of as um, put into these boxes or labels saying that we are not creative and start believing that because some people are not creative. 
And a lot of people, I think when we think that we are not creative, it's because we are focusing so much on what we are creating and whether it compares to some kind of idealized notion of what we want to create or what it should look like. So people would say, I would really like to draw an elephant, but that's just not necessarily a creative thing. And I wanted to focus on the more broadened definition and notion of what creative thinking is. And creative thinking is all about creating innovation through coming up with different ideas. And sometimes when we think we don't have any ideas, it's because we dismiss them so quickly because we Mm -hmm. think that they're going to be really bad ideas. And we don't, then we start, we get into the cycle where we stop ourselves from having different ideas because we are scared of coming up with bad ideas. So, so I think that's kind of, yes, it's all about, um, you have to try things, you have to experiment things, and it's about the process. And I think it's the focus on the process sometimes has to be really important as well. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that you have the boxes for the children as well, because although we do encourage children um, from a young age to create, they seem to get this pressure too from a, even still quite young and they start to they start to worry about how good they are and they lose that kind of um, innate exploration that they'll try anything. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's so true because I see children and they don't worry about whether it's going to be great and they just feel happy about creating and I think there's that pleasure in creating as well which is which we miss out on as we grow older because we're constantly judging ourselves Mm -hmm. and judging our work but so that's why this Facebook group um, I have which is called Raising Creative Kids and it's all about bringing parents together and I also realized something is that we are really as parents keen to develop that creativity in our children but they also want to see role models and they want to see us enjoying our creative pursuits as well as much as we are encouraging them to be. So the art packs that we have is not just an art and craft. It's not just about giving them a project to complete because also that I feel is is kind of just focusing on the end product rather than the process. But it's all about focusing on different artists and teaching them art history and talking about the whole interdisciplinary nature of art. And when they see that there are different ways of doing art and these different artists who created different things and they had different journeys and how it links to nature and how it links to different disciplines or history, then they feel more inclined to think there are different ways of doing art and there are different ways of creating, not just one way. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I'm going to go back to what you said about the choosing materials for the art Mm -hmm. tiffin. I find it really interesting that you've made um, choosing vegan and environmentally friendly materials a a big part of your business. And it's also something that you mention on your other website, Hedge and Hog Prints. Is there anything you can share about how you have generally made your business is more green, more eco-friendly? Yes. Um, so I think it's it's an ongoing process. But for Hedge and Hog, the creative studio, so my studio, I try and um, to have a list, kind of a manifesto of 10 things that I wanted to put into place. And they can't, one thing that I really like emphasize, want to emphasize to people, and I do that with and people I work with, is that it's it's a slow process sometimes, mm-hmm. and every step matters. We don't have to do it immediately in one go, but things like using um, environmentally friendly um, materials or not using plastic in my packaging or um, disposing of the waste in the most eco-friendly manner, making sure that I'm not just washing out all the art products down the drain and thinking about where they're going and what I'm doing with that, all the 
waste that accumulated, um, paper that we use, um, the paints that I use, um, the electricity and the kind of light bulbs that we have as well, and all those things. And everything's done by hand, so it's minimizing the use of electricity. And when I have to get external suppliers, I try and make sure that I look for ethical ones and I look for eco-friendly ones. And I try, try and think of the supply chain. So none of the, I could get things made really cheaply or done very cheaply abroad somewhere overseas in bulk, but I do not want to do that because that's adding carbon miles and that's, I might not necessarily get the most ethical suppliers and manufacturers. So everything is done here in Britain as well. Um, so those are some of the things that I have been trying to put into place. I love that. And I think it's it shows why it can actually make such a difference to shop from small independent businesses because you have these really strong values behind what you do. It's not mass produced and you take the time and care to think about yeah the carbon footprint of your business mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you went in thinking about or is it something I think that you just said, have you developed it over time? Um, there were some basic values, but yes, they have. Um, and some, and I think at times I didn't realize that those were there, the values, mm. the core values, but I was kind of unconsciously or without any um, intention doing those things. And then I started thinking more strongly about my brand values when I, um, and I think that's one thing that I really emphasize as well. It's about how, keeping some really core values in mind because that gives a definite path or purpose to a business as well and it might be tricky and difficult at times to explaining that to customers why a certain product is more expensive or costs more or it takes more time than other places but it's just if they buy into the core values then they are your ideal customers as well so um, yeah I think it's happened over time as well slowly and gradually um, but there were some basic values that I started off with. Yeah, and I think, like you said, it can it can actually really help in mm -hmm. connecting with your customers in a much deeper level than, than they would with other companies. Um, can we talk about some of your other strong values behind what you do? Because you obviously talk a lot about mental health, so I'd love mm -hmm. to talk a bit about what it's like to to be so honest and, and talk uh, candidly about your own experience there, especially in your TEDx talk as well. Um, yeah, it's taken me a while to get to this place mm. um, because for a very long time and for so many years, I just ignored my mental health. I didn't think that was important or I didn't put as much emphasis on it. I was really career driven. I was focused on family. I was trying to be I think as many of us are, we try to be these kind of super women, try to do everything and manage everything um, and don't want to complain or come across as weak or, uh, yeah, I didn't talk about it. Um, I didn't even talk to my husband about how I was feeling at times. And it was only about a couple of years or a year and a half ago, I actually sat down with him and said, genuinely, this is what I've been going through and I'm feeling and I hide it most of the time and I often feel like it's on my control and I will just get over it kind of that kind mm -hmm. of attitude but it has helped me a lot and I realized that I think it's really important to talk about these things because the more we share these diverse experiences we don't hear one kind of story in the media we don't hear one kind of story on social media we hear these diverse experiences then maybe it will help other people um, because we have to normalize mental health. We don't have to stigmatize it. It's part of us. It's a chemical reaction. 
And um, the more we can take it into account while even dealing with workplaces or in with our employers, and just the more we are honest about it, I think it helps all of us to be feel supported and to know how to deal with these things or to tackle it within our own lives. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's so important. And I am I found it really inspiring that you said in your TED Talk how nervous it was for you to get up on stage, but mm-hmm. you managed to push past it anyway to do the talk. Yes, it it is. And it I, I suffer from social anxiety at times, but mm-hmm. I do a lot of talking. And I think it's about part of me being trying to be resilient, but saying honestly that not everybody you see out there is not just the strongest person or different from you. You might be feeling like this, but then it's possible to do these things because everybody, others might be going through the same thing as well. So it was quite nerve wracking to get up. And uh, I mean, I used to talk so much and then I went through pretty bad phase with, um, yeah, stress and anxiety and mm-hmm. depression. And I had PND and uh, it, that kind of whole aggravated the thing. And so it was difficult for me to get back and talk in front of 1500 people. But yes, it, it, I, I thought it was important to say that. I guess now the TEDx talk is a great way for people to use as an introduction to what you do and your philosophy of creativity. I hope so. <laughs> no, it definitely was. Because you do so many varied things and you have this academic background and I've, I mean, I've seen you've done loads of articles on various uh, publications and you have your two main businesses how how do you balance it all I don't think there is a balance (laughs) I I think balance is such a myth and I don't think we ever achieve balance but it's about giving priority to things um and I think for a long time, there was this misconception that people who don't have a very clear niche or a clear focus, they are distracted and they're not as driven. But I think a lot of things around um, what we're hearing now and what we're reading is changing that discussion about the whole emphasis on multi-potentialites and multi-hyphenates and multi-passionate people. And it's it's the fact that you can be interested in a lot of things as long as there's kind of a thread running through everything and so I am very passionate about feminism and encouraging so we are organizing the TEDx Bombay Point Women in December and I write a lot about feminist and about a lot of parenting and about race and identity and all those things are part of me and really integral to what I am as a person so um, I think it's just about prioritizing and I think I would be too bored if I just did one thing <laughs> maybe that's just me I do a lot of these things, but I hope that they all bring value in some different way. That's the whole goal of it. I hope so. I do think that your your strong values behind everything do tie it all together for sure. And I'm sure a lot of um, creatives can relate to the feeling that they just love trying and doing so <laughs> yeah. many things. So yeah. I think it's useful to think of it in that way that it's they're all different, but but you bring them together and you're unique sort of philosophy and outlook it ties it all up quite nicely yeah I can understand the talking to other creatives um people don't have to hide that different passions yeah that's an important point actually and I do think you're right that it used to be uh, more looked down on and Mm. now it seems like there's a lot of uh, people forging these kind of careers where they do lots of different things and it's quite exciting really actually and because we can keep evolving and we can sort of go where our interests and our our passions take us 
Yeah, I strongly feel that. And I, I really agree with it. We don't really need to hide our passions and interests. And we do evolve and we are evolving. And and it's about responding to things as well as an individual, as a human being, what we see around us. And it's about um, my role as a parent or my role as a creative, my role as an entrepreneur, as a mentor, as a feminist, all these things, I have something to say about it. And so, yeah, we should be able to we should be able to do this and we should be able to evolve during a lifetime as well. So this is why when I talk to some young people or um, do these talks and things, I think I really like to emphasize that there's not you don't have to worry so much about just choosing your lifetime career goal or career path right yeah. now. It's good to have your goals. It's good to have a short term and long term goals, but they can change as well and you can change as well. So I think that's really important for me. Yeah, definitely. And do you find that taking your work online, and you, you mentioned that you've got a Facebook group, do you find that mm. that's a, a good way to find people who you can connect with in a different way? So maybe having all these different passions and having all these values behind them, it might be hard, I suppose, without the internet to find your people in such a strong way. Um, and I suppose having these groups makes it makes that easier certainly I mean I don't yeah it would be a challenge because so many of us work from home and we are trying to balance it around family and children and pets and other things and it's not possible always to go out and network in in real world although that's really important as well but so online space has been really important to me and although at times it can be overwhelming and at times it can cause kind of anxiety as well if you're there all the time mm. and you see but just it's been fantastic as you say to find your people your tribe or to connect with people and to also get inspired by other people and to talk to other people or chat to other people to share ideas experiences collaborate find collaborations find opportunities it's really yeah it's really great to have this these communities developing and so we always talk about the ne negative aspects of social media but i think there's a huge huge pros and plus to it as well do your friends and family in real life kind of get what you do i am my husband even doesn't get what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so the other day i um so i had to go down to london to do a keynote on social enterprise I was on the list for one of 100 women in social enterprise uh, in the UK and so I was trying to talk to him about my talk and he's like I don't really understand what you do actually I don't know what to tell people when they ask me what you do so that was quite eye-opening mm -hmm. um, I suppose there that is the downside because so much of my work happens online and I communicate and connect with these people sometimes I forget to actually maybe communicate with the people closest to me about how what I'm doing or what I'm what I'm up to basically yeah. just see me working how about you what, how do you feel I find it very hard I find it hard to tell people what I yes. do especially because what I do is always changing and evolving yes. and um, yeah so I don't like that question, actually, in the real life situations. I don't know about you. Yeah, I don't like that either. And <laughs> I was like, I have to, uh, yeah, I, I dread it. And I think so much of our, ourselves is defined by what we do. And, and again, people like putting a label yeah. on you because that's easier because, oh, this person is a ceramic artist or this person is a painter or a writer. And so you did like 
saying, oh, you're an academic. When I was an academic, it was easier for my parents even to understand what I was doing. But now they just see me doing these millions of things and they think, um, I don't know. What yeah. to do. <laughs> um, I want to just go back to what you mentioned. You yeah. just you said that you have been named as one of 100 women in social enterprise. Um, yeah, it's a list that <laughs> it's a list that's uh, brought out. It's all about impact economy and how it's it's the focus on women, women founders, yeah. uh, social enterprise domain, and in the impact investment domain, uh, people running nonprofits and things about how the impact economy is changing, how women are contributing to this economy where they're making an impact as well as being profitable along with it. So it's a list that's brought out every year I think um, and I don't know much about it except that I was on it and well, named congratulations. it. congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it sounds Thank really you. interesting especially the with the focus being on women as well. Yes absolutely I think it's um, it's good to define it's good to um, celebrate women and that I think it's important because women sometimes don't shout about themselves mm. or talk about themselves it's a very different way or approach to business as well and um, what I talked about more was also bringing in different kinds of diversity into the social enterprise domain. Mm-hmm. So because when I stood up in front of that room, it was such a huge inspirational group. But I talked about how we have to, why there are not many more diverse women in there. Yeah. So we talk about diverse voices. Yeah, that's really important. I think I'm going to wrap things up now because we've been talking for quite a while. So I'm going to ask you a few more parting questions before we leave. So the first one is, where do you get your creative inspiration? I think um, it can be anything. And it's just, again, about keeping our eyes open. Sometimes what we think is is it's a very mundane thing can just trigger something in us, an idea or a product or just taking a walk. Um, yeah, it's just about keeping our minds and eye open. And I also like being inspired from my children because they're so curious about things and they find little things so exciting. And I suppose we need to have that kind of childlike curiosity about things. I've always been a big ideas person. I have too many ideas, not enough time. So. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. I'm sure lots <laughs> yes. of creatives can relate to that. Although lately, I've been trying to flip it in my mind and just think, instead of thinking, oh, I wish I had more time to act on all these ideas, I'm kind of telling myself, I'm so grateful that I will never run out of ideas. <laughs> That's a fantastic, yeah, absolutely. That's such a positive thing to do, yeah. to feel like that, isn't it? Yeah, because I often feel overwhelmed by them. But actually, yeah. it's pretty good that we have all these ideas. Right, second question. If you could, what is one thing that you would change about the world? Oh, there's so many. But um, one thing is, it's it's about how we how we judge people too soon sometimes on a superficial basis and how we carry these biases around with us and prejudices and discriminations. Um, and if we, if we could just relate to each other on a human level rather than thinking about the color or the race or all those things or gender or what how that person is different from me and rather than that, if we think about how what is the same, how we can relate to each other. I think we could create a more uh, happier and more positive world. Oh, yeah, that's a great answer. Definitely. And a lot of it is so subconscious, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. It is. Yes. Well, thank you. This has been great. So last question, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? 
Um, yes. Yeah, so um, the Art Tiffin is at thearttiffin.co.uk and hedgehoprince is hedgehoprince.com. And also I have a Facebook group called Raising Creative Kids and one called Women Social Ent- Entrepreneurs. So it's all about if you are a woman and you want to start, start up or you're running a social enterprise. So I hope to create more space for that. Also, we are running, we are organizing the TEDx Formby Point Women Conference, which is going to be at Tate Liverpool. And there would be a few more events. So yeah, connect with me on Facebook and feel free to send me a message or email if you have any thoughts or questions at any point. Great, thank you. Thank you so much, Ruth. It's been lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. It would really help me and the podcast if you could take a moment to review, rate and subscribe. I'd also really love to hear from you on Instagram at Ruth Poundwhite, where I like to get a bit philosophical about online business. And you can find me on my website, ruthpoundwhite.com, where you can read the episode show notes, subscribe to my behind the scenes newsletter, or read more about my own experience of running a creative online business.